Well, hey, welcome to Rise Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm joined today by one of my best friends, one of the guys that I just love that I get to see and work with day in and day out. His name is Mike Crandall. I know that if you're part of Rise City Church, then you probably have met Mike. He's probably ministered to you. God has probably used him to speak into your life in some ways. He holds a role as care pastor here at Rice City Church currently, but the truth is is that he actually kind of has legs and arms in so many different areas and movements of our church, and he's also had a whole bunch of other roles because he's been a pastor, a minister, a faithful servant of Jesus Christ for decades and decades and decades. Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about how God has used you throughout the years? Well, I came to faith in 1969 as a 17-year-old and almost immediately felt a draw to be in leadership. And I really wasn't well-equipped with that. I was rather shy and reserved, but I, I, I dove in. One of my first groups to lead was sixth grade boys, which kind of formed some of my uh, abilities to keep the lid on so you could actually accomplish something because they're so squirrely. Yep. And uh, then I, I've worked as an associate pastor, a visitation pastor, um, done marriage classes with my wife, uh, and finally 25 years as the lead pastor of Harvest Church, which uh, became Rise City uh, in 2016. So uh, my role now is really one, I see it as support, support of the staff, of uh, the staff, even children. My wife and I are involved in those kinds of things. So I've taught a lot of groups. Uh, Last time around, we were involved in three different groups, one my wife led and two I led. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, setting environments for our groups and having control and leadership of the groups. That's awesome. One thing I love about you, Mike, is you just kind of cut to the chase. I mean, if you had to describe your ministry, I would almost describe it as practical ministry. There's so much practical insights in everything that you've taught me and the things that you are teaching me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about setting the environment? What does that look like for you? One of the things I learned early on, uh, even in controlling sixth grade boys, was having a tight and close kind of uh, conclave for them to be in because you had to reach out and sometimes physically just say, hey, stop it and Mm -hmm. tap them on the knee or something like that. But as I kind of advanced in different areas of ministry, learned that uh, it was important to have the chairs set in a certain way. And if you're leading a group now and you've got a host that you're working with, you'll need to work with that host and say, hey, in your living room, I want the chairs and the couches to be like this. I don't want people too close. I definitely don't want anybody in a second row because that makes them feel like they're on the outside and they don't participate as well. So one of my uh, pieces of advice would be get there early, touch base with your host if that's the case, or get to the room early if you're hosting and leading. Set the chairs, make sure the air is good. You don't want it too hot, definitely. You don't want it too cold. And you're always going to have a number of people. It's like, oh, it's hotter than I like. It's colder than I like. But the lighting is important. How the room is situated whether you're facing anything that would be a distraction. If you face the distraction, it's one thing, but if your group faces the distraction, then that can be a problem. So I just recommend that you think through those things. And in all these tips that I'm going to share today, 
to be intentional about it. Don't just, oh, well, it'll be all right. There's a lot of things we can say, well, we'll just go with the flow. But if we start out with a solid plan in our environment, in the room, whether it's in a home or whether it's here on campus at the church, setting that physical realm of where your people are going to sit, how they're going to interact, their eye contact, all those kinds of things uh, can be really, really important and vital. And it creates comfort. Mm -hmm. People will come in and they'll say, oh, this is the setup. And the setup goes with the role you play, the role each of them will play. And if you can have consistency in that, that's perfect. Now, if you're on campus many times, you can't even find the same chairs that you used last week, but you'll have something. But just that whole thought process that you're creating the environment, you're in charge of it. It's not up to somebody else. And sometimes we're running late. That's a part of life and you, you don't have the intentionality. But once you get an understanding of what an environment should look like and what it should feel like, uh, then you can hold that in place and keep it as a good tool for you. That's so good. You know, we often think of preparation for a group or a ministry or even for church. We think of all the preparation that happens, you know, spiritually in the in the in the things like the music or the the message or the Bible study that you're going to go through or the the questions that you're going to discuss. But how practical is it and how insightful is it to think about even the physical environment, the physical setting that you're creating to really prepare for that? There's a preparation that can happen. There's a verse in Proverbs that actually talks about getting everything prepared in its place and then get to work on building whatever it is that you're building. There's a, a wisdom to even preparing the setting, preparing the physical setting and getting everything in place for the work that you believe God is going to do that day. Why don't you share with us a little bit, because I know that you've worked with some sixth grade boys. You've also worked with probably people that are at the end of their life, you know, the beginning of their life, end of their life, in the middle of their life, every single age, you've gotten to be part of ministering to them. What does it look like to really kind of wrangle in and not just create a setting, but also continue to shepherd that setting? What does that look like? Yeah, I think depending on the age group, uh, if you have younger people, uh, kids or junior high kids, then you have to have a certain amount of energy to capture and keep their attention as the group is more mature. And if you've built a group, if you're in the second or third time through, then uh, it becomes easier. Uh, I just did this last session around a group of seniors that are 55 and up. Mm -hmm. And uh, the challenge I faced with them was getting them to open up. Uh, sometimes with the fifth grade boys and girls my wife works with, the challenge is to get them to sit down. <laughs> uh, but the other group had a just a, a hesitancy. So I just went kind of slow and I planned on talking a bit at the beginning, opening up, sharing how I'm feeling. I'm in that age group as well. Maybe sharing some of my challenges, uh, doing, uh, sometimes we call them icebreakers, mm -hmm. but really I call them room warmers uh, because we want to warm up the room. We yeah. want people to kind of get like past. They, they just rushed in from their car and they dropped their coffee on the way in and just getting um, settled in. So knowing your audience is really important. And then being patient. It, it's taken me a while with my seniors group to get them to open up, to get them to feel comfortable with each other. You know, as I hear you talk, I just hear the heart of a pastor, someone who's just shepherding the people that's in front of you, that God's placed with you, being able to lead them and shepherd them however they need, whether they're in fifth grade and you got to get them to try to just stay seated, or whether it's a seniors group that you're really 
trying to draw out and warm up the room. I love that that statement as well. Now, in any group, there's a diversity of personalities. How do you go about making sure that you're able to minister and include everyone in the ministry when there's so many different types of personalities, perspectives, approaches? Some people are outgoing and they want to talk a lot. And there's some people that don't want to talk at all. What do you do to really try to engage everybody and then also kind of control the setting and control the group in the sense of shepherding the group in that sense? Well, one of the things we want to do, no matter what the group is, we have something we want to deliver, whether we're going through an outline or if we're looking at a a song or if we're hearing a poem or somebody's sharing a testimony. So the word control might be something that uh, we would couch in a more sweet way and say, I'm leading the group, but we really need to control the group. So one of the things I try to do is each week say, okay, we're going to start. And today we're going to start with testimonies and prayer. And then we're going to move on to our content. And then we're going to finish up maybe praying for each other or maybe just even sharing. And flip-flopping that around is it's a good tool. It keeps it fresh. But I try to let them know each time, hey, this morning, guys, I have a men's group that I lead. We're going to watch this video and I want to talk about it a little bit. Then we're going to move on and go through our outline. And then we're going to finish up with prayer. And we have a group that lasts 55 minutes because it's mm-hmm. early in the morning. Guys come in, they got to go, and then they're off to, to work. So it's important to understand that as leading, you're, you're actually exercising control, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So laying it out, repeating it, and at the beginning of a session, repeating some of your core things, like we don't want to be engaged in gossip. We don't want to be engaged too much in political things. And political things now spur prayer, so let's just keep it quick to a comment. So controlling even prayer. Sometimes we Mm. think that that's not good, but I think that's really important. So I would tell people, let's have our prayer requests be relevant to this group. I know you're concerned about Aunt Millie's neighbor who lives in Montana, the guy across the street, that his dog is sick. That's not really too relevant to the whole group. So pulling that in, shaping that, keeping it brief so that we can actually get to prayer. Sometimes prayer time ends up being gossip time. Mm-hmm. And we have to say, hey, let's let's pull that in. Let's hold that in. And then the classic challenge is the, is the dominant person. They've got a big personality. They're, maybe they're really experienced. Maybe they have a lot of biblical knowledge. Maybe they read a lot. They always have something to say. I have to monitor myself. I, I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of wisdom that I've attained through pain. And I, sometimes I just go, a question will come up and I'll, I can just talk for 20 minutes about that one thing. So there's a couple of things that you can do. If you're talking in one group, you know, the question comes up and one person in your group keeps answering, you could say, hey, Robert, great input. I really love your heart to give and serve the group. I really like to hear from two or three people that haven't had a thing to say today. And that way, Robert or whoever is you're addressing, they won't feel put down or they won't feel hushed. They'll be first thanked for their contribution and then given a chance. And then if you really have someone that just will not, they just will not give it up. Then before the group or after the group say, hey, Robert, can I just talk to you a minute? And it's really important that in our atmosphere and our culture that we've built, that everyone gets to talk. Everyone really, in their heart, they want to be heard. That's why they're in a group. They want to hear from others but they want an opportunity to share their heart, their burden, their concerns, their fears. 
So keeping that spread out across your group and sometimes really difficult. If you have a group of 25 or 30, which my wife and I have done sometimes, then not everybody's going to get to speak. But over the course of your time together, you can draw someone out. And if someone that's really shy, you might say, hey, Kathy, what do you think? And and then you sometimes you just have to wait for Kathy to break through her fear and and share what's on her mind. Yeah. Well, so good. So insightful and also really practical. I love this kind of picture of boundaries. And, you know, sometimes we think of boundaries, we think of boundaries as these negative things, a controlling thing. But if you think about it, if you have a dog that you love, you put a fence around the yard so it doesn't run out into the freeway and get run over. So boundaries are actually a loving thing. If you don't love that dog, you let it run out into the freeway. You don't care. And so when you create boundaries, it's a loving exercise. I hear your humility in that, Mike. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Mike, how long have you been in ministry of some form for? Um, probably most of 40 years in wow. some some place or the other. And of course, all of us have different roles. And I will speak to one other thing, maybe when you're prepping your heart, when you're prepping your material, you have to sometimes cut yourself some slack, depending on what kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. If you're a real uh, type A person, you're really, you've got to get through this outline or you've got to get it and, and, and it doesn't go good. And many times it won't go good or it won't go exactly like you've planned. But what's important is understand if there's a little element, all the work that you do, if one person gets one nugget that they can grip in their heart and their mind and their thought process, then it's been successful. And of course, like anything else, the more you do it, the easier it's going to be, the less angst there'll be about coming in and leading the group. Uh, it's just that and it becomes fun. Then it becomes energizing for you. I love being in a small group. Uh, one of my favorite meetings every Every week is our staff meeting because it, it's a small group yeah, it itself. Is. Our staff is very close and we have a lot of different interactions. We do a lot of different things. Sometimes we play a game. Sometimes we listen to something that's really, really uh, heartfelt. You know, sometimes we say, did anyone cry today? And they'll say, <laughs> yes. And well, we had a good staff meeting then. So anyway, hope those things have been helpful and uh, that you may know some of them already, but hopefully maybe you got a little nugget out of this time and it will help you going forward, leading a group and, and giving you some sense of, I can do this for the rest of my life. I can just keep on doing this and serving people and making changes. And once in a while, someone will come back and say, hey, I was in your group one time. It was so meaningful to me. I just want to come back and thank you for the work that you did. And that is so gratifying. That reward is, is so wonderful. Yeah. And sometimes it's not right away either, is it? No, no. I've had things a year later, two years later, mm -hmm. 15 years later. So I know that I've gathered some nuggets personally. Thank you so much, Mike, for your wisdom, your pastoral heart, your humility, your experience. We've been blessed today to get to hear from over 40 years of experience in ministry of some sort, really just serving the Lord. It doesn't matter if your group is your family or if your group is a huge group, a corporation or a church or whatever you're leading, these are valuable insights that I know um, are hopefully valuable to your context as well. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Rise Leadership Podcast. We'll release a new episode on the last day of every single month. We'll see you next time.